Nut Nerd Podcast, Episode 124, Stealing the Spotlight. Welcome to the Nut Nerd Podcast. I am Nate Heath, and we are here to help you tech better. Alongside of me is Mr. Dave Baylor. <laughs> You're not alongside of me. You're I'm, across the... I'm across the table. And... For those of you following along at home, you might notice that we have a different setup this week. Yes. You can yes. see a different you can table. Tell them the audio echo. Yeah, does it sound analysis? Different? We decided in the mahogany lined uh, studio to kind of move a table around so that we could be a little more comfortable. Yes. The fireplace is over there. You probably can hear it crackling in the uh, in the background. And we're here on a nice, clear uh, spring. In the Pacific Northwest, the sun is out today. Yeah. You might be wondering, why do we have the fireplace going? It's a big studio. Yes. I mean. It is. And with the velvet dra- drapes yes, and, blocking out most of the sun. And since we world. are in the Pacific Northwest, there's all those danged pine trees blocking the yeah. sun. So we're all constantly in the shadow. It is true. Well, let us dig in to the week's technology goodness. We have some follow-up. We talked last week in episode 123 a little bit about the IRS and taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, And the IRS ran into a little issue come tax day on April 17th. They said, we forgive everyone's taxes. You don't (laughs) have to pay them. Uh, No, they said you get an extra day because we can't accept payments on our website. I thought they weren't going to give people an extra day. I thought they were just going to be like... It's too no. bad. It no, stinks ex- to be you. They said payments could be made up until the 18th once they got it resolved. Gotcha. So not a good day. Uh, they actually had something at one point on their site that said scheduled downtime, which <laughs> you probably don't want to schedule downtime on tax day. I was thinking maybe it was a repeating schedule thing every year that two days after tax day it oh. just pops up. And oh. happened to be tax day because tax day was on Sunday. Mm. But What if it was something like that? It like, would not surprise me, yeah. even though we are the most nonpartisan tech podcast on the internet. Uh, you don't have to be partisan to be able to say that our the U.S. government does not always run the most efficiently. They do not always take holistic cost into account no. uh, when doing what they do. So also, something else we talked about last week was the amount of a billion dollars and what you would ever do with a billion dollars. The story was that Apple hasn't created billionaires with all the money that they've made. Right. Um, And I was challenging you to find anything that you could spend a billion dollars on. Yes. So I found an article that was actually from a couple years ago, I believe. But they were talking about some things that you could do with a billion dollars. Uh, you could a round trip to the moon only seven hundred and fifty million dollars wouldn't even cover it if you wanted to buy an airbus a three eighty plane for your fleet mm-hmm. you could buy two of those that'd be eight hundred and ten million that's not even not even there yet yeah a c milan uh one of the great soccer football teams if you will mm-hmm. uh nine hundred and forty five million and so you'd have some left over to buy popcorn at the games. Yeah. A 1963 Ferrari GTO. Nine, oh, see, they're doing that. You could buy 19 of these. There are 19 no, of no, those no, don't no, no, exist. No. Skip it. Nope. Uh, the Antilia Mumbai, a building in Mumbai, India. Oh, the tallest building? Is $1 billion. So you could buy that. I guess. 27 floor building. The Chicago Cubs. 
a billion. <laughs> that's not the one I'm thinking of if it's only 27 floors. No. <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> Hopefully that's not the tallest building in India. Those are it's big a very floors. interesting looking. Yeah. Um, you can buy some fighter jets. I don't like these multiples of yeah, things. That's uh, cheating. Yeah, not even one fighter jet. You can't jet. buy multiple, well, multiple fighter jets you could. So here's the where you run into issues. Where are you going to keep this billion dollars, right? You're going to keep it in a bank. Now, banks are one of the most terrible things to put your money into to invest, yet they return an investment interest. Yes. Right? So Very small amount of interest. But yes. can you think of a 0.2% interest on a billion dollars? Every day you're getting tens of thousands of dollars yeah. in interest. And so to just spend all that money, it would be really difficult. Yes. And and I think this is an appropriate time to mention Brewster's Millions the movie. Yeah. And if you have not seen it yet, run out to your Classic. nearest blockbuster and rent on VHS Brewster's Millions <laughs> with Richard Pryor. It's an amazing movie. Perfect. And while you're driving to Blockbuster to rent that, you can listen right now to Dave's Pro Tip of the Week. Already. That was... We're going to... So that was the shortest follow-up uh, section we have had in decades of episodes but that's okay i'm ready i'm yes, ready to are. rock now for those of you at home who have macintosh computers this is going to benefit you uh, for those of you who are on pc or linux i'm sorry uh, you're going to just have to fast forward a couple minutes spotlight shines on you when you're on a stage or if you're escaping from prison the spotlight well it's also a utility that's built into mac os and this is one of the famous uh, utilities that, quote, Sherlocked Alfred and a couple other ones. Yeah, there was a, yeah, a couple other ones I yeah. use. I can't remember. Anyway, the idea behind these apps is that you hit a key command and it brings up a window that allows you to type in commands that make your computer to do various things. Quicksilver. Quicksilver. That yes. was the big one. Yeah. Alfred Quicksilver. Well, this has been baked into the Mac OS for quite some time, a number of years. But I think it's underutilized. Uh, the other day... I was working with some of our administrative assistants in a training session, and they were like, well, how do you even get to this application? We were looking at the oh. iWorks suite, Pages yeah. in particular. How do you even get to Pages? You know, I know it's in my applications. But it's not in my doc because you know, Microsoft Word is there and all this stuff. And I said, well, you asked how I get there. And so I went to the computer, and I hit Command Space. The Spotlight window popped up. I typed the word Pages and hit Return. And like magic, it appeared. And it made me realize that I don't think a lot of people know this feature even yes. exists. Yeah. So what does Spotlight do? Well, as I said, when you hit Command Space, that's the default uh, keyboard combination, a typing field appears in the middle of your screen. And this is a side pro tip. You can click and drag that field yes. anywhere on your screen. It does not have to live right in the middle of your screen, which I find super annoying because it's always in the way of the content that I'm trying to look at. But here are just a couple things. This has gone on and on. So I'll give you a couple quick things to do, and we have a link to an article that you can read yourself that can give you some more details. You can do the key command, or you can click on the magnifying glass in the upper right corner of your screen. And when you do that, uh, you can enter what you want to find. It's a spotlight. It's going to shine light on whatever you're looking for. That's the primary use of this. So if you type in something like Apple Store or emails from Nate, uh, it's going to give you a list of all those things. You can search by file type. You can search by location. So, for example, you can say, 
uh, use the word kind, like kind colon folders. So if I wanted to say Nate space kind colon folders, it's going to bring up any folders with the name Nate. So you can apply logic to, to your searches if you want to get really deep into this. Um, what else can you do? You can get definitions, calculations, conversions. For example, I use this all the time. What is 29 plus 4? Because I'm terrible at math. And if you type 29 plus 4, you will get... Jeez, uh, 33? 33. I actually was calculated in my head as you said it, and you are correct. Units of measure, like 25 pounds to kilograms, something like that. Yeah. So very much some of this uh, functionality that Google has built in to the Google search, you can do it right here on your Mac. You can even find movies, showtimes, weather, nearby places. Um, for example, you could say for local information, just type weather. I'm going to type it in right now. Weather. I think you have to spell weather correctly. Hmm. Yeah. So one, it found an app that I use that's a weather app. And then if I scroll down just a couple, there's weather in Stafford, Oregon. That's where we think we are. And if I just click on it, my window stays open and it gives me a nice little rendition of uh, the upcoming weather forecast. And I can just hit escape and it just disappears. If you're looking for something quick, Spotlight is the way to do it. Yes. And it is very helpful. I use it all the time. Um, on Windows, you can use the Windows key on yeah. your keyboard. To, very A lot similar. of people don't know you don't have to dig into the menus. You can just type something, and it'll do a lot of the same functionality. But it is beautiful on the Mac. They what is your favorite use for Spotlight? Probably just bringing up applications. Yeah. I think that's... If I I don't want to keep everything over in my you know ta- on my dock on the side of the screen there I want to just be able to mm-hmm. pull stuff up and go. One of the things that's part of this is that Spotlight goes through and indexes mm-hmm. everything in your hard drive, even the contents of documents. And so if you had a Microsoft Word document on your computer that had the phrase "Let's eat at Taco Bell today," you could bring up Spotlight search. Type in Let's Eat at Taco Bell today, and it would find that Microsoft Word document, even though the document might be My Chat with Nate is the title of the document. So it will look into the content of the document and find it for you. So it's a very valuable feature. Yes. Well, thank you for that. You are welcome. Tip. And let's get on to our takes for the week. Uh, Krebs on security, we've mentioned him many times before. He did an article, and some people have been talking about something that once you realize it, you're like, oh, duh, I'm an idiot. So it's all these Facebook posts that you'll see. Oh, what was your first job? Or, oh, if you remember this. Or what was your first, do you remember Mm -hmm. your first phone number? And people just love because they know the answer Mm -hmm. to type it in. Well, when you're signing up for a new service... It usually asks you some security questions. And what are those security questions? Well, what was your first phone number? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, what was your first car? What's your mom's maiden name? Yes. And so these Facebook, he went through and analyzed a bunch of these and just thousands and thousands of people commenting that if somebody wanted to, they could take all this information and have a database on you of what your possible security questions are. Mm-hmm. So a, answers to your security questions for your bank yes. or for your yeah first your job, account. your high school mascot. Mm-hmm. Um, so these people just, you know, we love to answer the one that 
that I've seen several times on Facebook. Do you remember your first grade teacher's name? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, I do. What a great and memory. So first, so. first grade. But then it's like anybody that sees that would have that information, yeah. and which is a quick pro tip that I've mentioned before. Do not use actual answers to the security questions. What I usually do is I make up random words hmm. as the answers, and then I'll take a screenshot so that I can save it in case I and random put it words in last such month. as like what? Give me an example of one that you've so used. So, do you remember your first grade teacher's name? <laughs> banana. Really? That's okay. I'm writing that down. Yes. Hold on, banana. Uh, so I would use banana, apple, or monkey for all of my security <laughs> questions. Oh, dang it! Stretch no. that. Um, but yeah, just a good reminder. Just be aware. We've all gotten suckered into this stuff, but mm-hmm. it's social engineering. It's giving people the information they need. That if they're up to no good, they could try to get into your accounts. That is good. Good advice. Yes. Speaking of no good, T-Mobile, both of ours mobile provider, Mm -hmm. is being fined $40 million. How many would that take to be a billion? (laughs) Yeah. A lot. Lots. Uh, But T-Mobile, what did they do, Dave, to get in trouble? Well, the the title of the article says, T-Mobile will pay $40 million for failing to fix rural calls. So what does that mean? So this is a trick that I never even knew existed. There are some areas of the country where the calls aren't going through, and the carriers will inject a ringtone to make you think that the call is going through but fails when it's actually not even going through at all. <laughs> it's just hey, tricky. It just doesn't work. Yeah, it's like so you it don't makes have, you think they're not picking up, or it makes you think there's you have service yeah. in your area. You're like, well, I have service. The calls just not going through. Well, the truth is you don't even have service there. Yeah. It's there. They have a lack of ability to provide service to that area where you are, even though they might advertise that there's service in this particular spot. And so it's just kind of shady and tricky into thinking, oh, well, the call just failed. There's, you know, it was an error or something. It's like, no, it's a little more nefarious than that. Yeah. It's there's problems on their end that they're basically lying to you about by yeah. injecting these false ringtones into the call. And shame on David Lum from Engadget, who wrote this little piece. Oh, at the boy. end of the first paragraph, Yes, blame if a call... He put three L's on... Again, where are the editors? People are paid to edit articles. Where are the people looking in the comments? Because there's probably a comment that says, hey, yeah. you misspelled I, the word call. The guy last week that on teens on teens or whatever it was and that, that survey article, I mm-hmm. tweeted him about it. No response, no nothing. It's like... Yeah. You can fix it afterwards. Like sure. that's nobody. I anyway. Sorry. Well, back just a little more information on this article. T-Mobile also paid forty-eight million back in twenty sixteen for misleading data plans, where they throttled users who were consuming the, a lot of information, and they didn't disclose that they were going to do that ahead of time. And so, you know, even though I like T-Mobile and they seem to be the best value, they all these carriers cut corners. Oh, they cut yeah. corners. Yeah. They try to maximize profit and. Consumers are the ones who end up paying the price. True. Well, several months ago, I believe it was, you had chosen Waze as your pick of the week. We've talked about it, the uh, fine navigation app that has a lot of social features, shows Mm -hmm. you where police are, people can report stuff, you see the little cars driving around on the maps. Um, Well, and I had heard about this somewhere else, too, that uh, the city of L.A., is having some problems. Yes. And they're not the only ones. Lots of cities are having these problems where 
it routes the quickest route. So mm-hmm. it'll take you through these residential neighborhoods and it can be these very skinny streets where you yeah. start having all this traffic that weren't designed for all this traffic. And so that's the problem that's happening. These neighborhoods that cannot handle the amount of capacity that's coming through them. It's all because Waze is redirecting people through neighborhoods. And then the people who live on those streets aren't able to back out of their driveways. They can't turn down the road. They can't leave for work because there's gridlock on their tiny streets. I would say that this is a symptom of a larger problem, especially in the Los Angeles area, is that your entire infrastructure is not designed for the capacity that you have. yeah. Where are the county commissioners saying, no, you may not build more housing in this area because housing means more people, which means more cars. No, they just ignore all that stuff. They build all this infrastructure. They do all these things. And then year after year after year, the problem gets worse. And then they throw their hands up and they're like, well, Waze is clogging up our streets. I think it's like, well, maybe it's poor city planning or where is <laughs> They have uh, the worst. I believe it's the worst traffic in the world. Yeah. Los Angeles. And where's their public uh, transportation system? Yeah. They can never get that off the ground. Yes. So, I mean, there are other problems associated with this, but I thought it was very interesting that uh, Waze could be causing these problems. But again, I think it's a symptom of larger issues. Yes. Uh, it's revealing it's issues. moving the Los Angeles traffic problem into other areas yes. where people are feeling more pain. If everybody's just on the freeway, yeah. you know the traffic's bad. But if everybody's driving down your side street, it says right here, the first one of the first paragraphs, community-driven navigation app Waze may be a great tool for finding your way and avoiding traffic jams. But a Los Angeles official claims it's also causing serious traffic issues in the city. No, yeah. it's not causing. They already have serious traffic yeah. issues. It's and they can't them. fix it. It's just <laughs> rerouting the same yeah. serious traffic issues. It's actually shedding more light, I think, yes. because these residents who don't normally suffer from these things are feeling the pain. So yep. maybe something will be changed. Even here in our neighborhood, uh, to and from work, there's a brand new development of homes going in. And the second that the cones were moved off of the roads to go, there's not even houses built. Yeah. It's just some roads uh, Waze was directing traffic through that development <laughs> out the other end, and it was not set up to yeah. receive traffic. I mean, there were there were contractors and stuff in there. Of course, I never took it, but I wonder how many other people tried to cut through yes. that development. But it was like l- literal days within <laughs> within the pavement wow. being laid down. It was on ways yeah. as a as a route, so I understand how these things can happen. Yeah, but. so it's a, it's a problem. There's traffic problems everywhere, and then. It's something you run into with the, if you want to call it artificial intelligence of something like Waze, where it doesn't necessarily know the issues that could be specific to streets. Sure. There's another story that I heard about this week. Some people were talking about where, like, one of the steepest streets in the U.S., Mm -hmm. like, steeper than the steep streets in, yeah, San Francisco. Um, and Waze was routing people on the street. Well, they have all these accidents and stuff because it's so steep and just all these issues. And so they were complaining, hey, Waze, we've got to keep people off this street. It's just not safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the people that live on the street know how to deal with it, but other people don't. So d- did Waze make a change to not route? The, I did not hear of a resolution on that, but they were trying to work with Waze to get mm-hmm. that fixed. So and I, that's what Waze needs to do. They need to look at problems and fix it if it needs to be fixed. And I think city officials, if they... Instead of complaining about it, they should reach out to the companies and partner yeah. with them and say, let's so find better routes. Blame game. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of games, Google just launched a smartphone game to teach adults how to code. Dave, tell me more. Yes. Yeah, so iPad, uh, Apple on iPad a couple years ago released this uh, program designed for kids and really adults to teach them how to use the Swift programming language on their phone. It was kind of you've got this video game character and you can make it go forward and back. It's called Swift Playgrounds. Yes. So Google's now in this game and their uh-huh. target is adults. They want to show adults how to code. And so programmable Lego robots, hopscotch, these other technologies have come out to help people learn more about computer science. Well, Google's doing this, and their application is called Grasshopper. It's a game uh, that's designed to teach adults the basic principles of coding, the article says. And so if you're interested, if you're an adult and you're interested in learning how to code, check out Grasshopper. This is just, again, one of these trends of getting people more in touch with how to use their computers at a more intimate level so that they can create workflows or programs or customizations that no one ever has ever thought of before. So I think it's a great thing. Yeah. Kind of a security slash politics story, whatever. There's an app called Telegram Messenger, which I don't know if we've even brought up on the podcast before. It's a very secure encrypted messaging program that mm-hmm. if you really want to make sure that your messages to and from someone are secure, you use Telegram. Well, Russia has started implementing a ban on Telegram because they won't give over their encryption keys. What? Yeah. So it was designed to protect people from very things such as Russians government yeah. trying to get into people's messages. Yes. So uh, if you're in Russia, I don't know if we have a lot of Russian listeners. Uh, a couple people in the Russian Federation. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but Russia and China, they're starting to, we've seen a little bit of this battle with the encryption stuff in the U.S., but mm-hmm. Russia and China have a little more control over their people and a little less democracy going on. So um, they will telegram it looks like they're just going to have to move out of Russia because they don't want to give up their encryption keys. It so breaks how, everything. How can they ban it? How can they keep people from getting it, I guess? I think they can ban the IP addresses or whatever that oh. they're using, where they're ser- the Telegram servers and uh, so routing at, and that type of stuff. Where the internet enters and leaves Russia, they're yes. going to block that traffic. Yes. Gotcha. Like the Great Firewall in China, they right. say, where there's lots of things that you just can't do there. Mm-hmm. Um Opera, you've talked about there's an Opera web browser. La, 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 la. Not that Opera. Oh, okay. Uh, and they had a, re- a free VPN, virtual private network service, we had talked about in some of our security talk. Well, yes. they're shuttering it, shutting it down. The free one's gone. Uh, this makes me sad. I like this product, and I'd tr- I'd fire it up every once in a while uh, and use it. And yes, it must cost too much money to maintain those yes. servers uh, for free. And so it is going away. When they're not taking your data, which is a good thing, they can't make a lot of money off of you. And it was unclear to me, and maybe you read more in the article, it looks like it's for the iOS app, their VPN product. Yeah. But they also offer VPN through their Opera web browser okay. on Mac and PC. And I use that occasionally yeah. as well. So I, I don't know if that's going away. Is it I it assumed like it, was it was everything. It looked like it was – the article just talked about iOS and Android. So maybe the added fees of developing apps and doing all the necessary uh, jumps to be able to do it on a smartphone device as opposed to within just a regular computer web browser. So Yeah. The article specifically mentions the iOS app for your, your Apple iPhone or iPad. And it says if you signed up for a gold service uh, and you paid for it, which gave you extra – 
you know, features yeah. and stuff, that they're giving you a free year of the Surf Easy Ultra application. Wow. And that's apparently the VPN platform that Opera was based on. So gotcha. you, you weren't out if you've paid them for yes. the, the pro pricing. And Surf Easy, I just clicked over their website. They've got a, a free five devices, 500 megabytes, kind of like Tunnel Bears oh, yeah. server free, or free system. Level. And then they've got uh, a $4 a month for unlimited data for five devices, and then a six forty nine dollar for some extra features. So. Yes. Well, and I actually was just thinking about with Tunnel Bear, my I pay for their VPN service, and mm-hmm. that might come in very handy this next week as I am in Africa, right? And might have some issues with connectivity over there, or, or if you're in Russia. Something. And they're blocking yeah. your Telegram. Uh, if stuff. I hate to, if I have to run up to Russia while I'm in Uganda, yeah. but uh, yeah, so I will. I'm planning on once I return having a full report on everything technology related mm-hmm. and probably more from my trip to Uganda. Again, if you want to find out anything more uh, as you hear this, I will be probably about landing in Uganda. But Patrick's Children dot org. Or on the social medias, you'll be able to keep up with the trips. So. Yeah, that'll be fun. What, what is uh, what is your going to be your primary information dissemination engine? Facebook, probably. Uh, probably, probably. What I will probably do. My plan as of now for trip related general stuff is to use the Patrick's Children Instagram account that which will then share to. Facebook as oh, well. Oh, automatically. Yes. Okay. So you'd be able to see it either of those places. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Uh, next up, Zillow. Mm-hmm. Now, I when you think Zillow, I think you go there to see what people's houses are worth. You can look up and they have a ton of information on home value. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of advertising. Real estate agents advertise on there. Yep. Uh, so their business model, they're actually, um, the article that I having the show notes is from the great stratechery ben thompson Mm -hmm. talking about zillow they have been very successful they're worth a lot of money but they announced some new things uh this week and i just thought it was interesting because zillow is it's almost a household name yeah household selling Uh, houses but it's a great resource well they're huge, and they're now announced that in a couple markets they're going to get into the house flipping game. Yes, uh, which is crazy, and it's kind of one of those things when a lot of people are very successful in in something. Big companies are going to try their hand in it as well. Uh, he gets a lot into the uh, the investment. Investors weren't very happy about this move, but it is one of those things. I have some friends that uh, flip houses for a living and have been very successful with that. But so, yeah, if house. Zillow comes in and just wipes you, I mean, it's like with anything. Amazon, Mon Pa stores used to be very successful. They yeah. aren't very much anymore. So just a, a very interesting read. If you're interested in business and how all this stuff works, hmm. uh, check out the link from Zillow. And Jeff Bezos, our buddy, the <laughs> owner, founder, whatever he is of Amazon. I wouldn't say he's my buddy, <laughs> Yes, but I use his service quite a lot. Quite a lot. Uh, and just a reminder, we are affiliates of Amazon. You can mm. go to amazon.notnerd.com, do your shopping, and we get a little tiny kickback that helps support the show, helps support our families and our starving children. And helps send people to Uganda. Yes, exactly. Uh, he released his annual shareholders letter. So he does this every year. It's 
I skimmed through it, but it's an interesting read. He talks about a lot about the history of the company. Uh, he did say that they now have a hundred million worldwide prime subscribers. Hmm. So, uh, you know, the one thing to remember, Amazon is primarily in the U.S. They're slowly expanding, but they're not as prevalent around the world, say, as Apple is. But 100 million people play, paying them 100 bucks a year is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the benefits, we talk about it over and over again. They provide so much. Uh, so he talks some about how many shipments. I forget how many billion shipments they did last year, prime shipments with free two-day shipping. Yeah. And there's another article that I will post as well. Uh, His, another Jeff at Amazon, who is in charge of a lot of the the logistics type stuff, talking a little bit about the the post office, their relationship with the post office, Mm -hmm. which we brought up uh, in relation to some of Donald Trump's (laughs) statements. Yeah. And also an interesting read because you don't hear from his side, but talking about how they're using artificial intelligence and all this stuff to really improve their logistics on everything. They're able to send more packages, more places in less amount of time. Yes. Well, that brings us to our picks of the week. So, I don't know if you knew this about me, Nate, but I really like video games. Oh, really? Yeah, this is new. Dear listeners. I am shocked. Shocked, I tell you. That maybe that trope's getting a little bit old, but we like to. Have it's fun. only it's only like fourteen episodes in a row. You've had a game as your pick of the week, but people love games. That's what people use their phones for a lot of the time. They do. In one of my many Kindle fires that I have laying around, I I picked one up at the house and I charged the little guy and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember you. I was like, what can I do with this? I, you know, I've got a few minutes. I left all my equipment at work, and so I just want to play a game. And on there was a game is practically everywhere and works on any device, and it's really fun. And the name of the game is Beach Buggy Racing, and its sequel, Beach Buggy Blitz. Have you ever played Beach Buggy Racing or Blitz? I do not believe I have. Well, I've got it right here on my device. Oh. Uh, I won't won't, uh, bore everyone by playing through three rounds of racing (laughs) games on the air, but it's a very cartoony Mario Kart esque type game in beach buggy racing your goal is to collect coins and get as far as you can down the track without time expiring and as you collect coins you can make your car faster more indestructible so that you can get farther and farther down the line your points are based on how far you get right so it's just fun you know you can level up get farther have a lot of fun doing that, doing the grindy type stuff yeah. while having a race at the same time. Now, Blitz introduces other characters who are racing against you. You can play. Now, the, the first game did as well, but it was a one-player game with AIs that race you to see how far you can go. Blitz introduced the ability to play with other humans. Oh, gotcha. And it's more of a round the track, and you're trying to beat uh, other players yeah. around a track versus going down the line as far as you can go. So anyway, they're free to to play. They're on iOS, Android, and even Kindle uh, Fire Store or Kindle Apps, whatever they call that. Uh, The Amazon Game Store, you can go there and find them. So no matter what tablet or device you use, you can get these games. They're free to play. They're fun. And of course, you can pay real life money to get upgrades and expand uh, your characters and those type of things. But man, my, my son and I have played the heck out of these games and had a lot of fun it's even available on the microsoft app store wow i could so get I, it for my uh 
My phone, my Microsoft phone. I haven't even thought about that. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Okay, well, my pick of the week, we have talked a lot extensively over the episodes about photography, iPhone photography. Uh, We've even talked about some different tripod devices. Your very Mm -hmm. nice video tripod you bought. Yeah. Uh, The Glyph device that we have, the little smartphone holder for the tripods uh, that we use all the time. Um, And then maybe even the Gorilla Pods, the little flexible tripods. Well, Mm -hmm. for my trip to Uganda, again, one of the things that I'm going to be focused on is capturing photos and video of everything over there, trying to capture what we're doing in Uganda to share here. Mm -hmm. So I started looking and I have a tripod that thanks to our friend Todd, Todd mm-hmm. Williams, way back in the day, he bought a video camera, and somehow I ended up with the free tripod that came along. Oh, nice. We're talking early 2000s, <laughs> plasticky, clunky. So I went yeah. to where else would I go to shop for something? Amazon.com. Amazon.com. Started looking around, and there's several travel-type tripods, uh, but I found one, the Amazon Basics, so it's made by Amazon, 50-inch lightweight tripod with a little bag, a little carrying hmm, case that comes very with it. Nice. So it's a very simple um, tripod, but if you're doing, if you're just using your iPhone or using your phone or whatever to take pictures, this is going to be more than enough just to give you, there is so much advantage for so many pictures to have a tripod, Yeah, to have that steady shot where you're not holding it in your hand, your hand's not shaking. But this one, I think I paid, it was 15 or 16 bucks. Right now it's twelve ninety nine on Amazon. So I'll have a link in the show notes. This thing is so tiny. It weighs a couple pounds. Yeah. You can keep it in the back of your car, pack it in a bag for vacation, just in case you decide, you know what? It'd be real helpful. We're trying to do a family picture. Yeah. I'm going to set up my phone on this tripod and I'll use my Apple Watch to, as the shutter. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm trying to get this, you know, scenery and I don't want to hold the phone. I want yeah. a good steady shot, a longer exposure. Right. Uh, all that stuff. I mean, for 13 bucks, it's you no brainer. I recently bought my daughter a tripod from Best Buy uh, for her birthday, and it was, I think, even I think it was about 20 bucks. Yeah, but it was no better than this one here. You can't even find in your local store, yes, this good of tripod yep. for this price. So, yeah, so check it out. Get a tripod of some sort, you're going to need it some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Uh, and this is a good low end. You can spend whatever you want on a tripod. Yes, you Trust can. Trust me, do a search on Amazon. Uh, but this is a good, good low end solution for you. With that, this has been a good, good episode of the Not Nerd Podcast. <laughs> good, good, good. Good, good, good. We are going to wrap it up next week. I will be in Uganda or traveling back, so we yeah. will have a very special episode we think you're going to enjoy mm-hmm. uh, prepared for you that you are going to want to listen to over and over again <laughs> and share with all your friends. Every friend. Uh, like you do with every episode. So thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for interacting with us like on the Facebook group. Now go tech better. Well, Banks, how did you do it? You turned down a deal that was bound to make millions, and we want to know why. That was a line from a play I was in. Mary Poppins. Hmm. Did you know there's a Mary Poppins 2 movie coming out? I think I did hear something about that. Bert, I hope that he and Mary hook up. There was always something between those two.